the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. Now I like to expound this whole chapter, but it's pretty lengthy. But I'm going to read more of it in a minute. But verse 30 of chapter 4 of Ephesians, yeah. Verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, I don't know. Brother Mark Stone might remember some of this back years ago. And they'd give big, long inv- invitations. And then the preacher that's evangelist or preacher that's given and saying, now oh, y'all don't be talking, look around. This is the most important time of the service is the invitation. And don't grieve the spirit. And that basically was the only time you ever heard that scripture mentioned. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Anybody else ever hear that like that? Well, I knew then it was wrong. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to show you why that verse is there. Well, now, he starts out in chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. Now, he's writing to the church at Ephesus. This is an assembly at Ephesus. All right. That you all walk worthy of the vocation Wherewith you're called. A vocation is what God called you to do. Walk worthy of the calling that you're called with. And how do we do it? Well, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Now, of course, this is to the church congregation. But then we're going to develop into some other closer or more personal relationships. But this governs our church relationships, and so it ought to also govern our personal relationships also. But it's talking to church people, talking to saved people, not talking to lost people. Uh, We can't expect the world to abide by what the scriptures say. Because they don't have the ability to do that. All right. But but now, saved people do. Because we've had a work of grace done in us. We've been regenerated. If you are truly saved, you do have the ability to obey this. So, so well, I can't change. Well, not. Have you ever said that? I can't change. That's the way I am. I can't change. If you absolutely mean that, you're not saved. If you can't change, because you see, the life of a Christian is change. From the get-go, 
That's why he talks about grow in grace and knowledge. We got it? All right, so you can change. If you're a child of God, you can because he's given you everything that pertains to godliness and virtue, being made partakers of the divine nature. That's what he tells us. So, with all lowliness, and that's the opposite, we've just finished a pride month. No child of God should enter that for many reasons. What we want to what we want to draw back from is pride. Doesn't mean that you don't take pride in your work and all that. Talking about a proud man, a proud mind. He said, lowliness is the opposite of pride. And meekness. That doesn't mean you're a doormat. You don't have to be a doormat to be a child of God. But meekness. And here's what meekness is. I just heard, heard, heard it a minute ago. I got more than I deserve. Meekness is that you know who and what you are before God. And you know who and what you are before man. What am I before God? I am a hell-bound, lost, deserving sinner that God has saved by his grace. What am I before man? I'm a hell-bound, deserving sinner that God snatched me from the fires of hell and set my feet on the solid ground by his marvelous grace. So that's all I am before God, a sinner saved by grace. That's all I am before men, a sinner saved by grace. Now, are there men, women, boys, and girls that are involved in things that I don't want to get involved in? Absolutely. I was involved in things I didn't want that I don't need to be in. But the only reason I'm not there is because of grace. Because of God's grace. So that doesn't make me better than them. It makes me different. And I don't want to be there where they are. Because I can be influenced to the bad. Alright, so. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Now endeavoring. That's a word that you, we got to get hard after it. You can't think about it today and never think about it again. This is something we must do constantly. Endeavor to keep, didn't say to get it. I've heard pastors say, well, I've got to get my church in unity. Well, you can't do it. It's not, in your, it's not in your scope. You can't do that. If the Holy Spirit is there, its unity is there. It's up to you to endeavor to keep it and in the bond of peace, not, not chaos. All right. 
Then he tells us about the church, one body, one spirit. Even if you're called, one hope for your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And of course that one baptism is the only one we've got. Water baptism that comes from John the Baptist. It's not, it's not spirit baptism. Not that at all. Anyway. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. If you notice there, the, the emphasis is on one. Because unity, that's what it means, is one. And so that's what it's all about, is one. And so, but now unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And we kind of talked about that a little bit in Sunday school. Every one of us has got a different measure of grace. And we have to work on what we have. All right, now. Then we see, I'm going to go on down here. Verse 11, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, the body of Christ is not some universal invisible. The body of Christ is the assembly that he's addressing. And each assembly is what he's talking about. Each, each church, each assembly is a complete body of Christ. And so <clears throat> the purpose of the ministry of the church, which would be the pastor and the teachers, it is for the maturing of the church members in particular and overall. And that will work to build up the body of Christ. You build up a building. You lay brick. And each course works to finish that building. And spiritually, teaching the word of God, here a little, there a little, precept upon precept, line upon line, as Isaiah says, works to build up the church. Now, we hope that we can see that, and some respects do, but sometimes we don't see that, and it must be because either the, the teaching is not going or it's not being received, one or the other. Anyway, so he gave us all of this till we come into unity of the faith. Now that, that is in that body of Christ. We can't get all everybody all over the world in the unity of the faith. We can't do that. We don't have that capability. Uh, now, the reason for it, verse 14, that we henceforth, now that's in italics, it means from here, uh, that we be no more. You can re read that without henceforth. But that we be no more children. There's nothing wrong with being a child. Unless you're 40 years old. Now that's sad. I hear there are lots of 40 and 50 year old men that are children. I guess some women too. They just refuse to grow up. And act like responsible adults. Well... 
There's nothing wrong with being a child. Childhood is good. And the Lord gives us a childhood not just to play games. Childhood is to be taught how to be a responsible adult. Isn't that the goal of, of it? The raise to be taught? I'm, I'm going to play, I'm going to play, I'm going to play. Well, play time's all right. It's good, got to have that. But you've also got to have the instruction and the discipline to enable you to face facts and realize you've got to grow up. You children are going to have to grow up someday and support yourselves. Take care of yourselves and our family. So that the idea, if we grow up, that we become responsible adults. Well, <coughs> spiritually, that we be no more children. Well, what's a child spiritually? One that's not sure of anything. Tossed to and fro. Doesn't know where they stand. And carried about with every wind of doctrine. And by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Well, there's all kinds of cults out there. All kinds of them. That preach rank heresy. That would turn you away from the truth. So, the only way to avoid that is to be under the teaching and the preaching of the word and to receive it and to study it and to live it that you won't be led astray. I remember I was raised at Old Ashton Avenue Baptist Church. I was raised under the teaching of the truth. Not all the truth, but, but the church truth, the trail of blood and all that. I was nine years old when I first read The Trail of Blood. That's pretty good, wasn't it? And so from that age on, well, I got backslidden. Went in the Navy. Well, I didn't, I didn't go wild, but I started working on Sundays and got out of church. And I was backslidden for some time. But you know what? There wasn't any way that I was going to get involved in some other religion. No way. I knew what the truth was with reference to the Lord's church, with reference to the Bible. I did know the truth. And I didn't get into all that stuff. I didn't do right. But I didn't go as far as I've seen lots of people go. And they say, oh, well, I used to be a Baptist, but I went over here. How'd you do that? You must not have, either you weren't taught anything or you didn't learn anything. And so that's what he says, that we, because they are waiting on every corner to get you involved in some kind of a cult. But he says, speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is ahead, even Christ. Well, now I want to move on just a little bit. He says, verse 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you 
Henceforth, there's that word again, but that's in the text. From now on, that you walk not as other heathen, Gentiles, heathen, walk. In the vanity, the emptiness of their minds. So he says, I guess it's a possibility that a saved person can do that. That's why he's warning them against it. That you walk not, that means walk your behavior in life. That's your walk. And that you don't walk as other heathen do. They have no concern, no care about anything. Many people, you talk to them about the Lord, you talk to them about the Bible. I don't want to hear that stuff. i got things to do. You ever encounter that? That's what they're doing. They're walking in the emptiness of their mind. You know, billionaires die. And do you know how much they take with them? Nothing with them. They may have a million dollar What do you call them? The grave, vault, whatever. But they're just as dead as somebody was thrown on a trash dump. There's no difference in them. They don't know any different. Their bodies don't, but now their spirit does. So people say, well, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. You need to think about what's going to happen to you when you leave here. We hear these politicians, well, we, we've, got to, we've got to get this uh, pandemic under control. We've got to stop all this dying. Yeah, right. You want to stop all this dying. Boy, you sure think, think a lot of yourself. How are you going to stop all that dying? The Bible says you... Is once man's appointed unto death. So, he said, we're not to walk as they are, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. That's why they're walking like that. You're not to be like that. You're, not, you're supposed to not be that way. And they say, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. That means all kinds of lustful things to work all uncleanliness with greediness. Greediness. I haven't been on one of them. I've seen them on the news. What's that day? What's that day called? The day after Christmas? Black Friday. And they trample each other in the stores. and Rush. You tell me I've not been in one of them. But some of those big sales you get in there. And they'll, they'll knock you down to, to get in front of you. To get something for cheap. That's uncleanliness with greediness but you've not so learned Christ 
That's not who we are. If you're of Christ, you haven't learned Christ that way. How have you learned Christ? Well, if you've never read the Bible, you don't know how you've learned Christ. You haven't learned Christ. So you've not so learned Christ. Now, if so be that you've heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Now I want to give you why that grieve not the Holy Spirit of God is here. He says now that you put off concerning the former conversation, that's conduct, that's all of your conduct, what you're saying and what you're doing, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. That would be the man that, or the human being that you were before God saved you. And that old man who's still with you and he's still with me, or old woman, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Now that's not going to be the only time he uses that word in this text. But our old man is corrupt. That old woman, that old man, what I was that's still with me, oh, I've got a new man, but that old man is still with me. You know, old brother Walker, Clarence Walker, he got what they called hardening of the arteries. That's what they called it then. I think it's Alzheimer's or dementia or something. I'm not sure which one's which, but it's about the same thing. And they lose their powers, cognitive powers, to think and to remember when they get when they get that. You've seen, we've got a president like that. And I mean, you know, uh, I couldn't resist that. I had to. But anyway, <clears throat> so Brother Walker got that way. But before... Before he got bad and had to step down and retire, I remember hearing a lot of them talk about every time he preached, he preached about the old man. You know, I know now why he did that. Because he was feeling that old man taking over him. He was warning us all about that old man because he's still there. You said you was in Romans 7? That old man, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Don't think we've ever removed from him. He's still with us. Paul said the body of this death like you've got a dead body chained to you. So that old man is corrupt. But you put on the new man. Well, now, how do you put him on? Well, we've got great limitations on what we can actually do. So how do we put on the new man? 
we have to envision the new man and mentally get ourselves with the new man on. It's a, mental, it's a mental thing, a mental exercise. Much of what we do, well, Romans 6, he said, Reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Reckon is, I reckon, I charge, think that I am dead to sin. Well, actually, spiritually, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, all of his elect died with him. But we have to think it. We have to reckon ourselves to be dead. We have to do that. And in that sense, put on the new man. He's here. We just got to put him on. And that new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, we were created in, God created us in Adam. And Adam was without sin until he fell. And he plunged the whole human race into depravity, sin and depravity. But now this new creation of God is when, when a sinner gets saved, it's a new creation. And only God can do that. Amen. And so... That new man, new woman is created in righteousness. And that word true holiness could, could be read holiness of truth. Righteousness and holiness of truth. That we have a, a love and a desire to follow after the righteousness of God. And to follow after his word, his truth. If you don't have that, you're not saved. All right. Wherefore? Is all that said? Put away, putting away lying. Do you have to lie? Do you know that there are people that are addicted to lying? I've known several. What's the old saying? They'd, they'd run a mile to tell you a lie and would tell you the truth if you're standing right here. You ever heard about people like that? Known people like that? Well, we, we just laugh about it. But you know lying is... One of the top ten. The ten commandments that God has given for all humanity, for all time, one of the ten, thou shalt not bear false witness. That's lying. So, putting it away. Well, if it says putting it away, that involves some effort on your part. Matter of fact, it might involve quite a bit of effort on your part. Putting away lying. So you little kids need to learn. Lying is a sin. It's a sin against God. So, he says, speak every man truth with his neighbor. Now, you don't have to tell everything that you know. But when you do speak, you need to speak the truth. 
If you can't say anything, don't say anything, but don't speak a lie. Don't tell a lie. Well, that's what we're... He's talking to church members here. <laughs> so, for we are members one of another. Well, we're talking about husbands and wives, members of the church. We're talking about members. We're all involved in this. Then he says, be ye angry and sin not. Now I say anger is a legitimate emotion. It's a legitimate human emotion. And there are some things that we ought to be angry about. We ought to be angry with the things that God is angry about. But we must not let our anger cause us to sin. That's where the big trouble comes in. Wonder how many people are sitting in prison right now with life sentences that they couldn't control their anger and they pulled out a gun and shot somebody or cut the throat because they got mad. Well, I could, you don't know me, I got, when I'm my temper, when I let, when I get to, I've got a terrible temper. People brag about that. Have you ever heard them brag about it? But I've got a temper now. When I get going, you ain't going to stop me. Well, you can be stopped. It may take a ball bat or a police's gun, but you can be stopped, and ultimately you'll be stopped by God. So we've all got a temper. Somebody, boy, I've really, really got a temper. Like, you know, uh, how bad is your temper? Oh, my temper's a lot worse than yours is. Well, mine's worse than yours is. How bad is your temper? Well, my temper is so bad, when I lose it, I don't know what I'm doing, and I knocked our house off the foundation. Well, let's sit around and brag about it like that, as if that's a bragging point. But God says, be angry. Yes, it's right. It's a legitimate it's a legitimate emotion. And there are things that we ought to be angry about. But we ought never to let our anger cause us to sin against God and against other people. And especially people that we love. So is anger a problem? It is if you let it be. It is with all of us if you let it be. Do all of us have to keep it under control? You better. Now, I say if you're lying, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. I say if you're wrathful, angry, and not controlling it, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. And with this, <coughs> he says, 
Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Whatever you got mad about, it better be settled before the sun goes down. That would assuming time you go to bed. Used to be people would go to bed right after the sun went down because you didn't have lights, wasn't anything else to do. You couldn't afford to burn your candles. You had to use your candles sparingly. So when the sun went down, it said work sun up to sun down. And that's the way people used to live. When the sun went down in Brazil, uh, at 6 o'clock p.m., it's dark. Sun shining bright at 5.55, at 6 o'clock it's dark. And those little villages out in the interior, most of those little mud huts, they'll have a, like a little metal can with a cone on it. And they got some kind of a wick stuck in there. And that's, they put uh, kerosene when they can get it. And for the whole house, they got that one little can. So if they burn it, they burn it sparingly. Because they may not have the money to get more, more coal to put in it. That's how, that's how poor they are. And no electricity. I somewhere got, got a, a video of a village we were in. The whole village, the only electric was in that whole village, was in the center of the town. There was one bare light bulb hanging on a pole. And they had a gasoline generator, and that's how they powered that one light bulb. And they'd run it for 15, 20 minutes in the evening, and then go down. And that's totally dark. If you don't have a lantern or something, you don't have any light. Well, people go to bed this time. Might as well go to bed. You can't do anything else. All right. So whenever the sun goes down, that means dark. You don't go to bed angry. Husbands and wives, you don't go to bed angry. You get it worked out before you go to bed. Because when you sleep on that anger, you get up the next morning, you've still got it. You've got it the rest of the day. And no telling where it will go because it can lead to lots of stuff. And people let their tempers, anger get with them, get control of them. What do you think people, how they become mass murderers? So angry they start shooting everybody. That's anger that does that. I'm not justifying them. They're criminals, they're murderers. But it starts off with anger. They're mad because somebody did something to them. Or didn't do something for them. Or they're envious of somebody else. So don't let the sun go down on your wrath. I hope you remember that. Memorize that. Neither give place to the devil. And that's exactly what you're doing. When you... When you Hang on to your anger. That's a lust. You're lusting of the flesh. And you hang on to it. And you keep it. You don't settle it. You're moving over and letting the devil move right in. And he'll do anything and everything he can. Let him that stole 
steal no more. Stealing. Taking what doesn't belong to you. Is it possible that believers could even do that? Well, evidently it is. That's one of the top ten. We take stealing so lightly today. The law takes it so lightly. If you don't steal a certain amount, they don't even make a report on it. Isn't that right, Dave? They got to steal so much, or they don't even bother with it. And then they'll say, well, we probably won't find it. Uh, we can't stop these people. They, and then you got them, they, they can break in these businesses, loot, ransack, home invasions. We take things so lightly. God said, don't steal. Say, well, I, I needed something. Well, here's, here's, your, here's your answer to that. Rather, let him labor. Working with his hands the thing which is good. Rather than steal, get a job. Jobs are plentiful right now. All you got to do is be sober, drug free, and get up out of bed and go to work. That'll get you a job anywhere. Say, well, I don't need to work. Yes, you do. That he may have to give to him that needeth. If you don't need the money for yourself, Work so you can earn money to give to people that need it. That's a switch, isn't it? And if you're not doing all that, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. All right. Then he says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Now that's a second time he's used that word. In the Greek, that's the word sapros. Let me give you some synonyms. Rotten. <laughs> Worthless. Literally or morally. Bad, putrid, which is applied to putrid vegetables and fruits and animals. You know, there isn't a whole lot that smells worse than rotten potatoes. But they are so good when they're fresh and you cook them. But rotten potatoes have an awful stink. Basically all vegetables and fruits do. I mean they just really do. And dead animals do also. And dead humans do too. 
And that's what this word is. It comes from word ponos, hurtful, evil, derelict, vicious, grievous, lewd, malicious. And Paul gets it all in one word. <laughs> Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Now, of course, it starts off with the church congregation, but you can see it, it develops into personal relationships, which would include husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, cousins, uncles, all of our relationships, and even to people that are not kin to you. Let no putrid communications come out of your mouth. Now think about that. Well, I, I know what I know what'll push her buttons. Well, I know what'll push his buttons. Well, that would be putrid com communications. If you know what will set somebody off and you do it, you say it, that's corrupt communications. Because what's to come out of our mouths, and that's what David was talking about with my mother, is that which is good to the use of edifying. That's what's to come out of our mouths. So think back. Either to your husband, your wife, your children, or to somebody else. Have you been using your mouth to hurt and destroy, tear down? You know, they talk about abuse. Well... Physical abuse is bad, coming from any direction. But you know there's verbal abuse, and I think that's what he's talking about here. When people with their words tear people down, that can be every bit as destructive as physical abuse. You can tell somebody every day, tell a child, Stupid. And you know finally that child will, will believe that. And they will live down to that. A man can tell his wife, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're doing. Or she can tell him, you're, you're no good. You ain't nothing. And you can do that and you can tear them down. Or you can go to the opposite. Do what God says. Let that come out of your mouth, which is good to the building up of those people, whoever, the, whoever it happens to be, male, female, child, adult. So now he says, don't let it. That means you've got the ability to stop it. Well, I can't change. You really mean that? If you can't change, you're not saved. You need to be saved. 
But that's what our lives are all about. What is sanctification? It is progressive growth in the Lord, in our maturity. So, if you're talking like that, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Every word you say is grieving the Holy Spirit. He says, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, here we go with that word let again. <laughs> that means we have the ability to do something about it. That's all I, well, I'll just pin on. Maybe the Lord will straighten me out. No, no. Uh, when the Lord straightens you out on this, and you'll probably be gone off this earth. No, that's your responsibility. We've got a responsibility. We have, there's, there's human responsibility, and then there's a, 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 a well, uh, look at uh, John 15 real quick. John chapter 15. Verse 14. Jesus says, Ye are my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you. And then 1 John 2. Verse 3, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we. That we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him. Ought himself also so to walk. Even as he walked. So. This is all the word of God. And these are all our commandments coming from the Lord. And that's. How, how do you know that you're a child of God? By keeping his commandments. You're not becoming a child of God by keeping his commandments, but you know that you are one because you are a, a keeping and attempting to keep. Now look back at verse 31. Let all bitterness. You know, somebody that's bitter is hard to be around. They've been burned on this and burned on that. And it's hard to be around. They ain't got nothing but negative say about everything. And you know what that bitterness will do? It will bring everybody down that's around it. I don't want to be around it. Let all bitterness and wrath. I fight that wrath stuff. I fight that anger stuff. 
I get angry. I'm angry at the government. I don't trust the government. I don't have any great love for them. I don't like them lying to us like they do and doing the things that they do. <coughs> I can't do anything about it. I've got to vote, and I vote. That's all I can do. So let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, that's the noise around anger, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That is, malice is evil. Let that all be put away. That's one of the other things, to be put away. Let it be put away from you. And here's the positive side of that. Be ye kind. You kids need to listen to this. Kids can be so cruel to each other. They really can. You need to be kind. We need to be kind one to another. Do we know what kindness is? Sometimes I wonder. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. There's a good point. Alleluus one another. Greek. Reciprocally. You know what a reciprocal engine does? Up, down, up, down, back and forth. Reciprocal forgiveness. Have you ever talked to somebody that says, I don't need your forgiveness. I haven't done anything. That's not what he said there. He said forgiving one another. That means we each need to be forgiving. Because we each got problems. Forgiving one another. Even as God. For Christ's sake. Hath forgiven you. So ultimately. God has not forgiven any of us because of us. All these folks that think they're doing good works and all this stuff. God has not forgiven anybody because of them. God hasn't even forgiven me because I asked him for forgiveness. God only forgives me or anybody because of the finished work of Jesus Christ and his redemption, work of redemption. I hear people talking all the time about forgiveness. They don't, they don't have any idea what they're talking about. Forgiveness 
is not based on emotion. Forgiveness, and the only forgiveness that really matters is God's. It is 100% based on Christ's sake. Had Christ not come, lived the perfect life, fulfilled the law, and then went to the cross of Calvary and taken the place of all of his elect and poured out his soul unto death, died and was buried and rose again 72 hours later. You see, that would, that would be the penal atonement of Jesus Christ. He died to pay the price. A lot of people don't like that. Christ paid the price demanded by three times holy God. And that is the only reason you or I or anybody else has been forgiven. Anyway. Grieving the Holy Spirit. There's how you do it.